0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of you want to do what? Today I've got Finn Hodgins on. He's the founder at Grouped. Hi, Finn.
1: Hey, Daniel. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, Finn, should we jump straight in? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do?
1: Sure. So I am an entrepreneur. I founded a software company called Grouped about a year ago and Grouped is a platform that allows personal brands to build their own membership spaces. Prior to that, I worked in e-commerce and the creator economy.
0: This is really interesting. This is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast because I think what you're doing is really of its time and very, very interesting because creator economy is growing, yet we're all as creators held prisoner, want for a better word, of these platforms that you build your audience on, right? So Mm -hmm. what you're doing is proposing a solution to build your audience away from these platforms. Is that right?
1: Yeah, um, basically it's to empower creators to have more independence. So these platforms are great for being discovered, right? Like Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, they kind of push your content out to people who don't even follow you. So what we're Mm. doing at Grouped is giving creators the ability to nurture the people who follow them in their own space so that they can monetize independently and so they can have some ownership over these platforms. Um, It's really a tool to talk to the people who are kind of most passionate about what you're doing as a creator rather than to be discovered, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, no, very, very cool. Um, So let's jump back a bit in your career. Let's talk about college or or university as we call it. What did you study and what, what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, so actually I did not go to college. I was a baseball player. Um, I lived in North New Jersey in uh, America and I went to a pretty pretty prestigious sports high school. And um, I was on track to play in college um, and I actually got knee surgery. And right after I got knee surgery, I got elbow surgery. So I was committed to play at a college in Texas in the United States. And after my second surgery, I kind of decided it was best to take a year off or a gap year. Originally I had the intention to go back to college, but during that gap year, I I started dabbling in e-commerce and entrepreneurship, and I really learned how to sell things online and really just the power of the internet and Mm -hmm. being able to, I mean, monetize and build an audience and, and just really curious about that. And I realized that one, I didn't need school um, for that because it was so new. And and two, at least in the United States, colleges didn't really offer um, that type of education. So I decided to not go back to university and and learn from mentors and online courses and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally am of the view that going into the creator economy or e-commerce or things like that, you don't need need to go to university, especially in the UK, and I'm sure, like you just said, America is the same kind of thing. There's not really any courses that could benefit you per se. Um, like you say, it's all very new, new skills, uh, new things you need to learn, which college probably isn't the best place to do it, right?
1: Yeah, and it's evolving so fast. Like it, you know, e-commerce and social media is this new thing. It's only been around for like ten years, and every year there's a new strategy or a new thesis behind like what is effective. And I mean. Colleges haven't even come close to building curriculums or keeping up um, to that, and they still kind of teach that old way of marketing, which is very textbook, billboard, um, stuff like that. So times are changing, and in the U.S., you know, I know U.K. is a little better, but college in America is extremely painfully expensive, um, and it almost just doesn't make sense, um, especially when you want a field online to uh, take on that cost
0: definitely so you didn't go to university or college what were your first kind of you know your first kind of things you did in the creator economy what were you doing
1: yeah so before the creator economy I actually was an e-commerce so drop shipping was a pretty big thing and i have mixed emotions on drop shipping i think it's a great way to force you to learn but mm. This was in about uh, 2018, and there was a lot of YouTubers kind of convincing people that they can get really rich by drops.
0: Yes, lots yeah. of courses being sold, yeah. not there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I kind of bought into that hype, and I learned pretty quickly that it was all pretty uh, pretty crazy, but it did force me to, you know, accidentally almost learn e-commerce. And from there, I sort of fell into the world of Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels and, You know, online marketing that way. And that was a very good way for me to get into the space. So I started going to a lot of ClickFunnels events and learning through his courses. And, you know, one thing sort of led to another. And eventually I saw success selling online through influencers. And that sort of led me to become kind of fascinated with, you know, wow, there's these brands out there who literally make six, seven figures just by sharing knowledge that they have about a certain niche. Um, And I started helping these influencers with their webinars, with their email marketing. And um, that's really where I started to learn the power of um, building a community off of social networks. And and then, you know, long story short, that's what led me to groups.
0: So how did you go about actually learning the skill sets that you needed to be able to do this. So you mentioned you went to some events. Where else were you getting this knowledge to help you sort of thrive in this new industry? Because like we said, you can't go and learn it. It's not an academic subject. It's something you have to pick up yourself. So where were you going?
1: Yeah, I was very lucky to find a role in a startup. So once I started building the skills on my own, uh, dropshipping and whatnot, I took those skills to a local entrepreneur and I pitched him to basically bring his in-person business online. Um, And he said, yes. And I got to learn a lot of what I was learning, or I'm sorry, I got to take action on a lot of the skills I was learning at these events and actually do them. And through the process of, you know, doing them and and building my own email list and selling this entrepreneur's products, I actually learned for myself what worked and didn't work. So to answer your question, it was really a lot of trial and error um, and really taking action on things I heard, that is what ended up teaching me kind of what works and what doesn't. And it also helped me find my voice online because a lot of the internet is, you know, there's cookie cutter advice, but there's a lot of it is what you take and what you make of it. Um, It's very, I guess, flexible in the sense where you can take this information and put your own twist on it and see success and what you have to learn as the entrepreneur is what your twist on that is. Um, and that's what I was able to do in working with the startup.
0: I mean, I bang on about working at startups a lot on the podcast. I think there's incredible value you can get from definitely being a young person and going and doing, you know, four or five years at at different startups. How was your experience at that startup? And would you recommend doing something similar to anyone thinking of getting into a, a similar space?
1: It was a fantastic experience. And I am totally aligned with you. I would 100% recommend any entrepreneur just starting out to work in a startup before they try to do it on their own. Because the beautiful thing about a startup is you get to learn on someone else's dollar. So I got to test a lot of my theories without having to put any risk into it. In fact, I was actually getting paid to learn. Um, And you get to see all the systems of the business, you get to work closely to the CEOs and the company executives, and you get to, you know, you don't just have a specialized skill when you're in a startup, like, yes, I was in the e commerce section of the business. But that also because it was such a small team, I was able to learn fulfillment, inventory, co packing, all these other avenues of the business, which just Increase my skill set so that when I was ready to go out and do it on my own, I knew a lot of the baseline stuff that had I not worked for the startup, I would have just kind of failed at um, or lost a lot of money on if I if I just went for it straight away.
0: I mean, you sound like you're quite entrepreneurial as a person, anyway. But we like to talk about how you even got that job at that startup. You know, what kind of things would you recommend people do? I know you approached an entrepreneur, and that's how you kind of got your start, but. Any other advice for people that want to get into startups? What kind of things should you do?
1: I think you should be very open. I think there's a pretty famous saying that I've learned, and, and I don't know exactly what the saying it is, but it goes along the line of when you're just starting out, don't say no. And then as you get more and more experience, you should say no more and more. But basically what I'm saying is when you're starting out, you should say yes to a lot of opportunities. And you you shouldn't be afraid to not be good enough because you're gonna learn. And basically throwing yourself out there at these opportunities and being afraid to, or not being afraid to commit to something you may not exactly know how to do. So for me, it was pretty scary pitching an entrepreneur that I could do their e-commerce being that I had only sold backpacks on the internet and gone to a couple events. But when he said, yes, I was willing to figure it out as I went. And at first I didn't get paid. So that's really the biggest thing is, you know, don't look for small or don't make money your motivator in your first six months when you're trying to work for a startup, like make skills, your number one motivator. So find a place that can really get you the skills you want, and then you can kind of name your price. So I guess to wrap that all up, because I think I bounced all over the place, it's, Yeah, it's really like, be willing to work for free, put in the work needed. um, Whereas three or six months later, you can kind of say, all right, like, this is my price, because you will be able to charge at least a small salary after you have three or six months with the company, because then you'll have one, the understanding of the business and two, you'll start to build those skills on your own. So it's really just creating those opportunities for yourself by being willing to work for free i think is is very critical and a lot of people do disagree with that um, but i think in your first three to six even to a year like skills um and experience are going to take you so much further than you know potentially turning down an opportunity because you're not getting paid and i think a lot of people because they don't offer to work for free they it's very easy to get a position if you offer to work for free and you, um, and you work hard.
0: <laughs> and that leads me nicely into what kind of personality traits you see in yourself that have allowed you to do what you've done.
1: I think patience and thinking long-term. I never really look at things as what that's going to do for me next month. I look at things as how it's going to fit overall into the big picture, you know, 10, 15 years, everything is sort of a baby step. And I think my big picture is is just overall freedom. Like I don't have ambitions to make a certain amount of money or buy a certain thing. It's really to create freedom for myself. And I have the patience to take opportunities, evaluate them and, and see, will this help me take a step forward to get overall freedom? Or will it kind of keep me stagnant or move me backwards and if it will keep me stagnant or move me backwards i'm not going to do it if it if it's going to unlock something whether that be you know a skill money or even like a failure but a failure that's going to move me forward you know i'm willing to take that risk and then i guess you need to be somewhat fearless um and fearless doesn't mean you don't feel fear because everyone is afraid of things fearless means You can take fear and lean into it um, because you know that usually on the other side of scary things is, is something good. So I would say, you know, having that trait has helped me.
0: Yeah, no, definitely great answer. Um, but let's talk a bit about how e-commerce and the creator economy has kind of formed over the last sort of five to 10 years and and your kind of take on that. And what actually is it? You know, people listening is thinking, you know, I'd love to get into e-commerce or the creator economy. What does that world look like? And what do you think it's going to look like in the coming years?
1: Both of them are growing extremely quickly. I think COVID obviously accelerated the growth of e-commerce and the creator economy. What's happening now is digital marketing or for the creator economy right now, you can use paid advertising on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and a lot of these online platforms. And that's sort of the other way to drive sales online as opposed to the creator economy. So right now, prices on those platforms to run ads are going up while the amount of creators is going up. So the creator economy is taking a lot of the money from the advertising budgets of these companies. So basically, as e-commerce grows, more of the money is going into the creator economy and less of the money is going into paid advertising because the overall reach that these platforms are giving creators is more and more. Now, the one thing that this is causing is creators themselves, because there's more saturation, they're making less money on brand deals, but because they're able to get more and more reach, if they're smart, they are able to make far more income by selling their own products or um, you know, being, you know, having their own membership spaces, stuff like that. So both are growing very rapidly. I know um, you know, retail's declining and, and everything's moving online. What's changing pretty quick is how creators are able to monetize their own brands because brand deals are becoming less fruitful for them. So th- you know, a lot of shifting platforms like TikTok have exploded and now Instagram is trying to keep up because they're pushing out creators just like TikTok did at the beginning. So like my fiance, she's a content creator and she started on TikTok. She blew up. She got 150,000 followers pretty quick, but it was always slow for her on Instagram. Now um, it's completely the opposite where she can post reels on Instagram. And since Instagram is trying to keep up with TikTok, they're now giving creators a lot of reach an exposure like TikTok did at the beginning. So you see things like this in the creator economy. And right now the focus is on, you know, creators are trying to get followers from the platform. What's going to change as years goes on is creators are going to realize that followers aren't the ultimate metric because followers don't necessarily relate to money. So creators are going to try to take their followers and monetize them by moving them off social networks, whether that be in membership platforms, like groups, what we're creating, whether that be email lists, whether that be, you know, webinars, events, stuff like that. Um, that's the big shift you're going to see is more ownership for creators.
0: That leads us very nicely into what you're doing, because I think I haven't seen anyone or anything quite yet The kind of solves that problem of everyone has built these audiences uh, Mm. and then they're doing brand deals and, and there's even a few agencies in the uk now that will help these um these audiences become monetized through products so they help creators build their own product lines um and then sort of sell those to their audience but somebody needs to solve the problem which is what i think you're doing of getting the audiences off these platforms and somewhere that you can safely monetize them without worrying about algorithms and and things like that. So if somebody can fix that problem, we think there's a big opportunity, is that fair to say?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think what creators are looking for too is a platform that they can keep their people on with all of their relevant like monetization strategies. So for example, creators can monetize in a few ways besides direct brand deals. They can sell their own products, whether that be, you know, real product, like I made my own makeup or affiliated products, which is, you know, Sephora gave me a link and I get commission off that. Or they can sell their own info products, which would be, you know, here's this ebook I made on how to make your favorite recipes, it's nine bucks. Or they can make exclusive content, which is basically saying that they've made more in-depth content, which is more premium and their followers can buy it. So what we're trying to do in Grouped is give them these tools where they can do that all seamlessly in one place. Um, and it's a place that they own and no platform has successfully done that yet. Um, so that's really what we're trying to do.
0: So tell us a bit more about groups and how's it going? How's it? How's the build coming along and, and how are you finding it or running a business?
1: Yeah, so we launched about three weeks ago. Um, In mid uh, mid September, Uh, we're still in our pilot phase, which basically means we've launched a minimum viable product in software. Basically, that means you kind of put something to the market that is the minimum version of what people would still use, because you don't want to invest in building features that people do not use. So, our goal right now is to really learn what our customers want. We're onboarding about five to ten creators a week. Most creators are looking to launch their membership spaces. Around Black Friday or New Year's. That's just the nature of uh, their monetization strategy, which makes sense. So, we're learning a lot about what these creators want, and the build comes from that. So, now we've just entered a phase of development, which is officially launching our version one of the product, which is going to be the product that we're putting some marketing dollars behind. And basically, now we're allowing creators to build a little bit of a funnel so that they can set different payment tiers for people to join their group. And in the group, they can sell products um, within the group. So that hasn't been fully built yet, but that's kind of what we're working on building now. And that's going to be launching on November 10th. And then from there, it's really the same strategy. We, We constantly interview our creators and ask them what they like and don't like about the product because we're really trying to build what they want. And we think if we can do that and trust the creators that we will build ultimately a platform that every creator wants because they are similar in you know what they're looking for
0: very exciting and it it sounds like quite early on in the journey of you know building this company out but how how are you feeling about doing it is it are you nervous about sort of taking the full the full dive into it or do you feel excited about this
1: i think nerves are natural um what makes me nervous is i know the potential of it if we can execute So I get nervous that we're going to be able to execute because I do believe, you know, with 100% of my heart that, you know, in five to seven years, there will be one to three platforms that really dominate this membership space. Um, Maybe there's four or five if it kind of takes the niche route, whereas one of them is for like fitness, one of them is for beauty, uh, whatever. But there will be, you know, your, your handful of platforms that dominate. What makes me nervous is not getting the resources to get there. Um, you know with building a technology company you you fight a lot of obstacles development is one of them financing is another one and then obviously marketing when you have a small team and you try to do everything at once um you definitely don't move as quickly as companies that are funded you you are you have the advantage of being um, more lean and more scrappy which has its advantages but you definitely you know the anxiousness comes from, you know, what if someone comes out with lots of funding and, you know, moves quicker? Um, and and so, yeah, I'm very confident in it. I believe we have a, a great team and we're off to a great start. Our, our early customers have sort of embraced it and joined our team in the sense where they love what we're building, so they want to help get us there. Um, but the nerves come from, wow, um, hopefully we can do it because someone's gonna, so I, I hope it's us.
0: <laughs> sure. And for you, what's been the biggest positive of your career so far? So something you've done or you've thought about or something that's happened and you've gone, wow, I'm so glad I've done this.
1: I would say, honestly, taking leaps to to start, yeah, to start group, to start this business, because it's very easy to get stuck. And even though it was very entrepreneurial, when I worked in e-commerce, it was it felt like I was kind of getting very comfortable with what I was doing, like I had consistent income. Um, I was doing the same things every day. And I felt like I was almost getting stagnant. And I think having the courage to take a leap and say, you know, there's more to this and and really starting group, that has been um, very exciting because what excites me and I think what excites most entrepreneurs is kind of walking in the space of like unknown and putting 100% faith and trust in yourself and being like, Okay, what can I create for myself? Um and to me that's been you know what I'm most proud of is I I truly I put it all on myself and I'm kind of betting on myself and to me that just makes it you know way more exciting.
0: And then on the flip side of that, what's been the biggest challenge you faced so far?
1: Putting it all on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's most exciting is also the biggest challenge because with that and just being real, I think most entrepreneurs relate it, it comes with a lot of anxiety and what if um You know, when you're a young entrepreneur, most of the time, it's pretty lonely. People don't take you seriously. Um, You know, you get ghosted a lot um, and you really have to find a way to tune that out and to just focus on uh, building and to focus on, you know, I guess the one percent of people who do believe in you, who are supporting you. And um, it it does get overwhelming because you never have security. You never know where your next paycheck's coming from. You never know if you're going to run out of money or if you're going to be able to fund it. Um, And that's very stressful too, when you have these grand ideas and lots of customers saying, yes, 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 we want this and you want to build it. but then it's like, shoot, now I have to convince someone, um, you know, that we have the traction, so we need the funding. And and basically the same thing that's so great about it, putting all this, uh, putting it all on yourself and betting on yourself is also, you know, where the cons come in. And I guess that's what makes entrepreneurship so, so rare to come out on top is you have to be able to get through the the negative side effects per se and to just you know focus on the positives and move forward
0: and would you still go down the same career path now knowing everything you know
1: yeah i would i would um there are some things i would have done differently because i've made quite a bit of mistakes but i also think mistakes are you know they're critical. You have to make mistakes in order to learn. So, it, more advice I would give to anyone starting out is make mistakes as quick as you can. Like the quicker you take action, the quicker you will make mistakes, and mistakes are really just lessons. So, I would do the same thing. I think, um, yeah, maybe I would approach it slightly different, but for the most part, I would.
0: Well, Finn, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Really love what you're doing and what you're building with Grouped. How can people find you and your business?
1: Yeah. So people can go learn more about group by going to groups.com. Um, you can find me LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect um, business-wise. My name is just Finn Hodgins, F-I-N-N-H-O-D-G-I-N-S. And then my Instagram handle is Finn Hodgins. I'm starting to uh, create content, kind of documenting my journey as a young entrepreneur there. So I think that's a cool spot to, uh, to learn more about kind of my day-to-day.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Finn.
1: Thank you, Daniel.